Hey, this is Mike. This is GG20 Radio for tonight, and we'll be looking at Proverbs 12. Getting back into the series. Catch us on the other side. And good evening. Welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gantz along with Mike Miller. And we're here tonight. G220 Radio live every Tuesday night. If you haven't caught on, that's our schedule. Every Tuesday night we're here, right, Mike? Well, we try to be. So far we successfully have done it. Yeah. Yeah, if one of us can't be here, the other one tries to be. And we try to keep the... The program going every Tuesday night to give you some good content. Look, if you like the content here on G220 Radio, uh, put a one in the comments below. Let us know where you're watching from in the comments below, whether you're watching on YouTube or or Facebook there. Just let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and if you got any ideas, any type of show ideas that you would love to see us do here on G220 Radio, please feel free. Uh, to email us right there at the email. You see it right there on the bottom of the screen, g220radio at gmail.com. Again, it's g220radio at gmail.com. Send us some information as to what you would like to see on the program, and we would love to uh, maybe check those out and maybe cover a topic on it. We've done that. We've had people reach out to us. Um, that show we did a couple weeks ago where Mike was having the technical difficulties, probably the, sh the nightmare show, uh, the way it got started, right? Could have been worse. Could have been worse. But that show, it was a suggestion from one of the guests, one of the individuals that participated in that uh, informal debate. He uh, reached out to us and said, hey, would you guys be interested in covering this topic? So we threw it out there, and another guy contacted us and said, yeah, I'd love to do that debate with him. And we put that show together. So. Um, I have to move me over here, Mike. It's just weird for me because <laughs> I'm looking at my cameras over here and I'm looking and I'm over there and it's throwing me off. All right. Anyway. So yeah, th that's, uh, one of the episodes of G220 radio. So we try to put together some good programs, some good content. Uh, we hope you enjoy the show again. If you like the content here on G220 radio, leave us a one in the comment section, wherever you're watching, Facebook or YouTube. Uh, we would love to hear from that and know where you're watching from. We would love to know that as well. Mike, we have gone through Proverbs 1 through 11. Uh, it's been a while yeah. since we've been back in this uh, book of Proverbs. But this is one of those things that I've heard it said, and I've even given this as advice to people, that read a proverb a day. You know, the, the chapters are fairly short. You could read through one chapter a day. There's there's 31 Proverbs. And you could basically read through the Proverbs in a month, just one chapter every single day. And there's a lot of wisdom and knowledge that you can gain, ultimately from the Word of God, but within the Proverbs itself. And it doesn't take very long to get through a chapter a day. Yeah, I mean, you think about what Proverbs is. It's a collection, sometimes kind of like, more story form as we saw in chapters one through um, 10, nine. And then this kind of the section 10 and on is again, just these pithy little statements of wisdom that God has given to us to live in his world. 
we should see that, you know, in that, in that light, it's built upon the commands of God. So to act wise, to do what the Proverbs is saying is to then act in accordance with what God has commanded us to do. And in general, to love people and to love him. So it's always good to go through the Proverbs. It's not the easiest book, probably to try to understand. I mean, I don't know if you've had this problem, Ricky. And I, I admit I've had this problem until I went to seminary. So here you go. Something I've learned in seminary that will benefit people is that they don't always seem to go together. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully maybe a little bit and what I've, I've tried to do as we've gone through this series show, like there is some, some sort of flow through it. It's not always discernible. You kind of have to, you have to dig a little bit, but that the editor who I think is Solomon put these together. Wasn't just like, Oh, here's another good one. Throw it in and just throw it in and throw it in until you have this long list. And he's like, oh, I'll publish it. But know that that they're arranged in an order for us to, again, fully understand what's going on. Um, building upon the base that Moses had laid with the giving of the Ten Commandments and the moral law and understanding how to live, getting God's creation. God is telling us how to live in his creation. I mean what better wisdom could there be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I want to encourage you, you know, if you just read a proverb a day, I know many people, it's the beginning of the year. We're in February, halfway through February, a little more than halfway through February uh, or about halfway through February, you know? Um, and people do, usually they have some reading plan that they're doing, but honestly, reading a chapter of Proverbs a day, um, it could be a good practice for you. Again, you're gaining this wisdom, this insight from the Word of God, and it can be very helpful, as we're going to see here. Uh, and and the, the program that I titled for tonight is, um, I don't even remember what the title was. <laughs> was it, I was a pity something. No, that was the screenshot. Um Commend a man of good sense. Commend a man of good sense. So, you know, um, but the screen, if you saw the, 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 uh, what do you call it? Thumbnail to this. I was able to use Mr. T on there and pity the fool who does not like to be corrected. Right. And so, because that's what you see a a theme of this, uh, where you see the righteous and then the wicked, there's this theme of here's what a righteous man is going to do. Here's what a wicked man is going to do. Right. And so we're going to get into this. Uh, Let's go ahead and start reading here. We're going to get in Proverbs chapter 12. Uh, I'm reading from the ESV. And uh, let's read here, I think, verses 1 through 14, and then we'll talk about these. So whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices a man of evil devices, he condemns. No one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. 
The thoughts of the righteous are just. The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright delivers them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. A man is commended according to his good sense, but one of twisted mind is despised. Better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his, be of his beast. But the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. But he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Whoever is wicked covets the spoils of evildoers, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hands comes back to him. So there's a lot there, um, a lot there uh, just in that 14 verses, um, and we're going to kind of talk about those here now. Mike, anything stand out to you as we start reading there? <clears throat> I think when you think about how he starts um, just right out of the gate, chapter 12. Now, this can be connected back to um, 11, 28, 29, 30, 31, kind of this idea about kind of the behavior of the wicked and the righteous, but mm -hmm. the difference, the one who loves disciplines discipline loves knowledge now discipline here is is correction that kind mm. of idea that you have but it's the f but he who hates reproof is stupid mm. as the esv i think it it calls us to think about what is the point of discipline and not only that how do we view this discipline and discipline is hard. Discipline is rough. It's never easy to go through. Right. But the contrast is the one who loves discipline, not that he enjoys going through that trial, going through all of that, but sees it as an opportunity to learn, to get better. Whether it's you've, are receiving discipline for your sin or even just going through something hard and seeing maybe your lack of faith and recognizing that these are areas to grow and the one who doesn't accept correction we could say the prideful one. He's stupid. He never learns. He doesn't grow. And in a sense, he, he'll fall into the snake, the same snares over and over again. He doesn't learn. And so you see, again, the righteous see discipline of the Lord as a father to help them grow. See this in Hebrews. But is the ones that are undiscerning, who are prideful, who think they're right. And in the end, 
they're stupid, not in that they're not intelligent or so they don't have it, but they'd never grow from their experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I know some people may say, well, that's very harsh language, um, but it is what the scriptures is conveying here. Uh, Matthew Poole in his commentary uh, on this says, uh, discovering himself to be a most foolish and stupid creature because he is an enemy to himself and to his own happiness. Right. When, when, when we think sometimes because of our own pride, because of our lack of humility, sometimes, oftentimes, we don't like correction, right? Because of those things. We, we don't want to be corrected. But it's for our own benefit, if, especially if it's coming from a brother in Christ, sister in Christ, that is doing it with the intention of wanting to, wanting to point you to the truth and wanting to point you to, or, or to help you in your growth, to encourage you in your growth. Because we are all at times going to be wrong in things. We're all at times going to fall into sin. And so there needs to be that correction. And this is part of the reason why we push so hard for being members of a local church, you know, and from my own experience, and I won't get into details, but I know that there can be some times where people abuse that power, but it doesn't discredit the reality that God gives the local church. He gives pastors and he gives elders and people within the church to build up the body. And so when you come together and you are correcting one another in love, you know, correcting one another and helping build them up, that's part of the sanctification process within the life of a believer. So to be a disciple is to be a learner. We should always be willing to learn. And some of that learning is correction in our lives that others may see that we uh, don't see, because it's always easier, as it says, you know, to see that uh, log that's in somebody else or that beam in somebody else's eye or that, that speck in somebody else's eye, but that you, you can't see that beam in your own. Right. Yeah. And it leads to then even like in verse two, when you think about the one who is disciplined, who loves knowledge, goes and talks about then this person. So the good man obtains favor from the Lord. So when mm. we grow with discipline, when we continue to be sanctified by the spirit and kind of, and learning and through that, that we obtain favor with the Lord. We are not grieving the spirit as it was, but the one who hates reproof, the one who is stupid, the one who is prideful, who thinks that they're still right, even with it, he's he's condemned because he, he's not learning. He's not living in God's world the way God has designed it to be. He is in opposition to God. He's in opposition to God's discipline to open his eyes to see not only his sinfulness, but the greatness of God. Now, obviously, part of this is the work of the Spirit, but the sinner goes to hell not because God didn't choose him, but because he sinned against God. 
And so we see kind of the outworking, the one who loves discipline, who loves knowledge. Again, we've started out, we can connect this back to that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. So to have true knowledge is to fear the Lord. So that's the good man, the man who loves discipline. And he lives in light of that. And the Lord is pleased with it. But the wicked who hates reproof is a man of evil devices. He's going to continue to do what is wrong, what is stupid, or probably maybe a better translation of stupid is this kind of this bruteness. It's like an animal mm. in what he's doing, never kind of learning from the mistakes. And he's going to ultimately find condemnation for his sin. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it says there, you know, a good man obtains favor from the Lord. Right. Where, but a man of wicked intentions, he will condemn. And ultimately, if we don't take that correction now, and we understand it's a work of the Lord in the heart of, of an individual, but the practical, the practicality here is if you don't take this correction, this can bring about condemnation, you know, from the Lord. And even in, in life, in the practical aspect of things, if someone's telling you, hey, if you don't pay these bills, this is what's going to happen. And you say, ah, I don't need to do that. I'll do my own thing. Eventually, those bill collectors are going to come calling and they may take everything away from you. Right. So th there's consequences. And so but ultimately, it comes down to when those who continue to reject the wisdom, especially the wisdom of God, they continue to reject God. They will be condemned. Right. So you, you see this contrast all throughout here with the righteous and the wicked, righteous and the wicked. Right. And the righteous take heed to the wisdom of God. The wicked continue to despise it and reject it. Uh, verse yeah. three, verse three here says, uh, "A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved." Again, you see this contrast, right? Yeah, and I think all of these kind of flow together, mm -hmm. um, moving in that the one who loves discipline is the one who obtains favor, but he's also the one that will never be moved. There, there's a, a security that he has that even in, in life, just in general, that those who learn from their mistakes, who have favor with the Lord and kind of the blessings and even um, and just the blessings he gives, whether it's food or money, not that one is saying here, not rich, but everything we receive from the Lord is a blessing that he, he won't be moved. His life will be a demonstration of what is good and godly the there never be kind of the opposite they'll, they'll never be put to shame 
because they're honoring God in what they do. They're learning from their mistakes and they are growing in holiness as they work through it. But the wicked, they fall. I mean, how many times do we see just evangelical, big names evangelical, fall because of sin? Mm. Because their sin was found out whether before or after they die. And maybe compare him to someone like R.C. Sproul, who, again, his legacy will continue. A man who was faithful to the end. And you kind of to see then what faithfulness to the Lord brings. It brings this, again, this, this root of righteousness, the idea, like you just can't move a tree without cutting the, the roots out. You have to right. get it out. And we can come maybe even bring in the parables of Jesus about those who are planted and bear fruit. They're strongly rooted They're mm -hmm. in the ideas of, kind of someone they're planted by streams of water. They have the deep, the roots to continue to sustain them, but that's not the wicked. The wicked's no. like the dead tree who has no root system, has nothing and they will fall. Sin will find them out. And if it doesn't happen in this earth, it will ultimately happens in the great judgment. But people who gain things by wicked means will always fall. And, I mean, obviously there's examples for that all around us. Yeah. And uh, we got Sean Gregory with us in the chat. Uh, thank you for being here. We appreciate the comments. Uh, keep them coming. So... Yeah, Proverbs 12, 4, and then it goes into speaking about an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. So you can have like this kind of success, let me a good job and certain material things. But if if within the home, if 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 you have an excellent wife, this is this is the root of well, ultimately Christ is the root, but this is going to bring forth, I should say, uh, a lot of happiness and peace within the home. Uh, whereas the flip side of that is one who causes shame. It's like just rottenness to his bones. Uh, we hear other proverbs where it says that the nagging wife is like worse than like a drippy faucet. It's better to be on the top of a rooftop than to be in this nagging, right? And so it's this is an important thing. We're talking about the righteous and then the wicked. And then he's bringing it into the home here. And if it, if this is Solomon, what do we see when Solomon goes after all these other women? What can we learn is there's not satisfaction in the one woman that he has, right? And so we can take that as an example and say, seeking after all these other worldly things is not what's going to provide you happiness and joy, but a good wife, one who's providing for you and taking care of you your 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 needs within the home and the and the children's within the home right yeah and 
this I would also connect back all the way to verse 28 of chapter, no, verse 29 of chapter 11. He says, whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind and the fool will be the servant to the wise of heart. Mm. And that and how Garrett kind of describes it, Dwayne, Dr. Dwayne Garrett in his Proverbs commentary is that we should not just be thinking about kind of money or here you see kind of foolish accent actions in the home, whether it's from the husband or the wife. I think we should hold these two um, together, but that we should. And kind of the point is the one who loves discipline, loves knowledge is that, this plays into our family life. Yeah. And that whether you're the husband or the wife, you are to kind of work together. And Garrett says a man should give thought to the choice of a good wife and then to spiritually nurture his children. And so you see this kind of idea playing out of going after a good wife and not worrying about money. Obviously there's can't have Needs, no money. But can't yeah. be slothful. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you take that in balance. Right. But that he, that he should be seeking a, an excellent life and going for one that again is, is, want to edify and to build up and to instill these things into their children. Obviously the husband is to do the same. He's the one mm -hmm. who's called to teach him in Deuteronomy six showing it is. And that, and I have no experience because I have an excellent wife, but having one that who brings shame is kind of you get this idea she's the foolish one she's the the one who hates reproof yeah maybe has this kind of love of money and doesn't really care about her family again this kind of destructiveness that can come about when a husband and wife are not on the same kind yeah. of page or or have the same love or, or pride or just have their own pride. They're, they're looking yeah. after themselves. Well, I, I think of submission when, you know, the Bible talks about uh, the wife submitting to the husband, you know, not in an abusive kind of way where you take mm -hmm. advantage of that. And you like, I'm the Lord of the home, right? I'm the, the king of the castle uh, type kind of um, uh, home environment. But that a wife who who is an excellent wife, one who is seeking to honor the Lord first and foremost above all things, is going to submit to her husband so that when there are decisions that need to be made, hard decisions that need to be made, that when the husband makes these decisions, the wife's going to submit to those decisions being made. However, that doesn't mean that a wife and a husband don't have communication and, and he takes her input when she's giving good advice to, well, mm -hmm. I think this is what we should do, but I'll do whatever, you know, you decide. Right. Um, yeah. because I know like within my home, my wife keeps me grounded in it. Like 
if, if I feel like if I'm not sure about how something came across and my wife is right there, I'll ask my wife because I know she'll be honest with me even more so than any other friend I have. I have male friends that will keep me accountable to the teachings that I'm teaching. If I get off into error, they'll say, Hey bro, what are you talking about here? Right. But the way I come off in my speech to people or in conversations, my wife will hold me accountable, you know, uh, not necessarily in front of those people, but she'll pull me aside later or talk to me later and say, when I ask her, what did you think about this? Or when I was teaching this, did you see anything that you know, she'll tell me the truth? Right. And so that's where you look in for an excellent wife, one ultimately who is a believer. And, you know, if you're a believer, then you should be looking for one that's a believer whose desire is to honor God. And therefore, if their desire is to honor God, they're not going to be there may be times because we all have sin in our hearts that sometimes needs to be weeded out. But there may be times where there, there's conflict in a home or there's there's disagreements, but whose ultimate goal and desire as a as a uh, a character within them is is not something that's um, trying to like think of the right way to put this. Uh, their lifestyle is not a pattern of cons like constant strife and contention, but theirs is one that wants to honor the Lord. And therefore, in doing that, they're going to then be submissive to their husband in those, the ways that God has put him in charge of the household. Right. Yeah. And I think we see obviously to take it, kind of think it in context, this is Solomon to his son, although it's not, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not applicable to women also or older men. Mm -hmm. um, but to, to think about the, when you marry someone, these are important decisions that take time and search. And to to think about these things and, you know, to to find the excellent wife, as you said, one who will honor the Lord foremost, who who seeks to be obedient to the commands. And in doing so, she'll become that excellent wife, be one that honors her husband. But the husband also needs to honor his wife. I think we see yeah. this that play out in Ephesians, because most of the time isn't when we when it talks about wives submit to your husband. Paul later goes on on a much more detail explaining how husbands who probably more, maybe more prone to authoritarian kind of actions are to love their wives. Like Christ has loved the church, this right. sacrificial love. Again, I think that plays into even in verse 29 um, of the, um, in chapter 11 about bringing trouble on his family and living in a way that, kind of destroys destroys the family life and that affects everyone. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so verse 5 here. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. I think, again, we're seeing the same. I'm going to kind of read through some of these, and you can stop me when 
when you want to speak on one, Mike. Okay. Um, but you again, you're you're seeing the pattern here. You're constant this contrast: righteous, wicked, righteous, wicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Proverbs twelve six. Uh, the words of the wicked are lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver. Uh, verse seven: the wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. So just to stop here, um, I think to kind of see these through again, we can take these individually and look at them, but I think here I'm pulling again from Dr. Garrett that there is a movement between these three verses. You have plans and advice. I think those are similar. Those are similar ideas. This advice is probably dealing with how to live. The plans of the righteous are that way. And that the plans of the righteous are just. They're rightly ordered. They love God, love people. They're working through how that works out in their practical life. But the wicked aren't. They're deceitful. Mm. Probably prideful. We could probably advocate that the text isn't indicating that but just thinking about human nature they're probably thinking about themselves they're thinking about how to gain their advantage there is some sort of deceit in their plan and most likely it's not going to be for their downfall because that's just not who we are as humans and our sinful nature so then we see how they work out verse six the words of the wicked lie wait for blood but the speech of the right upright rescues them. There's this kind of move in how these plans are coming out. The words of the wicked and the speech that the wicked are trying to, again, in their probably deceptiveness to destroy what the righteous are trying to do and upholding justice and upholding what is good and right and honoring. But the righteous rescues them. The, the wisdom here, then speaking rightly about topics, about what's going on, the plans, even in kind of our daily lives and what we want to do, the speech of the righteous rescue them. They see kind of who the person is, the of who they are. And then when the judgment comes, when people see the verdict and ultimately when God judges them, the wicked overflown, they had deceitful advice. They used the words to try to hurt people, to try to destroy them. But in the end they're overthrown and they're no more. They're cast aside. They may have lost their privilege in society in one sense, or maybe even people see who they really are and they lose friends. They're, they're cast kind of away, but the righteous stand firm. I think we, we look at this and we call that we do what is right and just because in the end, when the people who want us destroyed, those who want to persecute us, they have nothing to do. I and mean, this is what Peter is telling those 
who are receiving persecution. Do what is right. Because that speaks volumes when they're persecuting you for doing what is right. Christ was persecuted for doing what was right. We can see that and we can look at it. I think there's that that movement and that call to think about what is just, what is right, and to them be faithful as we work out these things, obviously in light of God's word in which the Proverbs come out of. Yeah. <clears throat> and now the title of the, the program today came from this verse here in Proverbs 12, 8. Uh, a man is commended according to his good sense, uh, but one of twisted mind is despised. And so it's not referring necessarily here to, you know, your birth, your pedigree, or how much money you make. Uh, this is you're commended for your wisdom, right? And it's not just an earthly wisdom, but this is wisdom that is in Christ. This is wisdom that is in God. This is taking heed to God's word, right? Um, not just the worldly wisdom, not Mr. Worldly Wise, but God's wisdom. And the the one who is perverse at heart, though, he shall be despised. And so we see that that there's, we see this. And when one's in perversive heart, right? Um, I have a hard time. I used to be in the military and um, everything was curse words. Everything was a perverted joke. Everything was, you know, Mike, when you was in the military, you probably mm -hmm. experienced some of that as well. Um, now, even where I work now, it's like you come in on Monday morning after a weekend and you hear a lot of perversion. You hear a lot of speech that just kind of like you hear and it's like, oh, it makes you kind of cringe. That kind of talk, that kind of thinking, like the uh, perverse thinking, um, that just doesn't appeal to someone who is of Christ, who who is trying to walk in the wisdom of God. It's not an appealing thing. Now, all, ultimately, we understand these people are lost and they need Christ, so we carry ourselves in a different manner, in a different way. We don't speak as they speak. We don't seek for the kind of wisdom that they're seeking in. You know, um, we don't try to to um, be an influence to them by being like them. We are different. We are called out of this world, though we are still in the world, and seek to reach them with the wisdom of Christ by giving them the gospel and being a good testimony and a, a light unto the world, to them. Yeah, I think it's also, when we think about it, just culturally now i don't know much about jordan peterson the psychologist making big waves um, from canada um and you look at things that he says and there's wisdom there obviously these he has access to general revelation there is wisdom in general revelation mm -hmm. brian a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while mm-hmm so this isn't to say that the ungodly can't have nuggets of wisdom. I think there's there, but I think when we think about those who have impacted our Christian walk, not maybe the big name preachers, but 
that Christian who doesn't have a seminary degree, he's been Christian for 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 years living this, living in this valley of death over and over again. There is, I think you, you look at them that when they speak, there's wise counsel there. That's mm-hmm. in, in one sense, you call it experiential theology. They have lived out the promises of God in their life. So not only do they know it, know it in kind of systematic terms or in a systematic way, they have experienced that. I think that's one of the great things within the church, right? When you have elderly saints, people that have lived as Christians for a long time, you know, and you can, you, it's not wrong to gain knowledge from their experiences and, and things that they have dealt with and had to make decisions through. Um, And then giving, giving that wisdom to you, offering that knowledge and insight to you to help you in your walk with Christ as you have to navigate through these decisions. That's why it's so important that the body's not separated by um, age groups where you have churches that are, it's, this is our contemporary worship. This is our, um, what's the other one? Um, Contemporary and classic or you know, like a conservative traditional. traditional, that's what they call it to where you separate. And most of the older saints go to the traditional and then your young people are all in this conservative one or a contemporary one. And they don't have that mixture together uh, to where you can learn and glean from them. And that doesn't, that doesn't also say that these older saints can't learn from the younger ones too. Right. There's this mixture that happens to where you can, learn and edify one another because we are all given spiritual gifts and that's what it's for, right? For the building up of the body. Yeah. And, and to think about, so a man pray is praised according to his wisdom. Here's the words from Luke talking about um, Jesus. So he had just been presented by his parents and Luke chapter two and in Luke chapter two, verse 40. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and favor and the favor of God was upon him. Then we see the story about Jesus in the temple. His family leaves. He is still at the temple. He's teaching the religious leaders. Again, Luke says at the end of that chapter, the last verse, verse 52, and Jesus increased in knowledge and his stature and in favor with God and man. Like when we read this verse here in 12.8, Proverbs 12.8, we should have Jesus in mind. This is how Jesus was. Jesus was praised for his wisdom. Even the Pharisees at the end of his life didn't want to take him in public because he was honored among the people as a prophet. That would have caused all sorts of chaos and probably an invasion by Rome, who's already there. They're gonna they're gonna lay lay down the law. They knew better than that. So even the Pharisees and the Sadducees 
the Sanhedrin, the scribes, the religious leaders of the time, there was a respect for his knowledge, though he they thought he was a false prophet and called himself, I mean, rightly so, the son of God, whom they deemed with it. So I think we should see that. But the men with warped eyes are despised. We kind of see what how that worked out for the religious leaders. They couldn't stop this movement. It was a movement of God. And their foolishness are now on display because they crucified the Son of God. Hmm. All right, so... Proverbs nine. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to read, Mike, and just stop me when you wanna wanna speak on something, because we are coming to the end. We probably will stop at fourteen. I think that'd probably be best. Yeah, if we get yeah. if we can get to verse fourteen, and then we'll uh, we'll just do a part two of this. Uh, so v- verse nine says, "Better is the one who is slighted, but has a servant, than he who honors himself but lacks bread." Uh, Verse 10, a righteous man regards the life of his animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity uh, is devoid of understanding. Let me stop here. This is a nice little fancy word, inclusio. Basically, verses 9 and 11 speak about the same thing. And so should be considered in one. Um, and now some of this I'm drawing off of what my pastor recently taught on this a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. And kind of the idea here and kind of to sum it up. That is those who work hard are treat work hard can be seen in how they act and those who are kind of foolish also demonstrate on how they how they are and kind of how this works out is to think about the contrast in verse 9 it's better to be a nobody and have a servant showing that you have some some sort of money you mm-hmm. have money to have a servant to do work. So you, so you're one who works hard, but you're not acting like you're someone though. You have people who work with you then to pretend to be a King or great man, but have no food because you're spending your money frivolously. You're, you're not being wise in how you act. And this then comes out because the one who acts like he's a nobody takes care of his animals, which is what he's going to be using to bring food onto his table. So how you treat the oxen as they plow your fields show you what type of person you are. And it's when that person treats kind of they treat their animal right in one sense, as the law says, they let their oxen eat some of the food that they're tread on. Like there is this care for their for their animal. And he has abundance. 
but the one who pretends to be someone he's spending all of his money even his like the irony his kindest acts are cruel he's not a gentle man this isn't like he's kind no this person acts cruel and probably to animals he's in one sense wouldn't be allowing his oxen to feed off the grain that he treads as he gets hungry from the work that he does And yet he thinks about kind of you have this idea of he's thinking about the fantasies of being a great person. Yet in the end, he has no no food. He's not diligently working and showing kindness to what God has given to him. I think this fits in the creation commandment to have to rule over the animals. It's not a cruel mm -hmm. reign. It's to cultivate them. And to have them help you to cultivate the earth in which we have dominion over. And to show, so to show kindness is to kind of elevate the status of animals. They're not just these creatures, that they are helpful and they're useful, but they, but they are creatures. And it would also expect that this righteous man who cares for creatures would also in due time care for the people also. And you see this kind of in this abundance food, he has enough mm -hmm. for probably him and others. Yeah. All right. So I'll read these last three and then we'll talk about it and we'll wrap this one up uh, for, for tonight. So Proverbs 12, 12 says, whoever is wicked covets the spoil of evildoers, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hands comes back to him. I mean, on a similar thing we see here, I, I desires... Um, and kind of plunder and root um, the wicked desire to desires the plunder of evil men. They see what other people are, other evil people are doing, and they desire that. They desire to have the spoils of sinful men just like themselves. Um, but in the end. And in contrast, the root of the righteous flourish. It bears proper fruit. It bears a, a, a proper reward. And in, in these desires, again, you see the, sin, the ideas of talks. Evil men are trapped by a sinful talk. Kind of in, ensnared in... And kind of the, in, in one way, the, the fruit of their lips. They. I think we even covered that in previous yeah. Proverbs. I know it was long ago, but your mouth gets you into trouble. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's what it's saying there, um, as you was getting into, is the evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous man escapes trouble. Like you're, you're slow to speak, right? You're, you're slow to get angry. Um, 
what is it? A gentle, a gentle uh, answer turns away wrath, right? So a gentle response where you get some people who, if you're wicked and you, you mentioned this earlier and, and I agree that a lot of this stems from pride. And, and I think we can say that with great confidence because if you don't like correction, you don't like somebody telling you that you're wrong. There, there has to be pride there that's causing you to say, I don't need anybody. Who, who are you to tell me what I need to hear? Like, I know these things. I don't need you telling me. So that's pride. And so a pride will not allow one to step away. They'll just continue to get themselves deeper and deeper by the words that are coming out of their mouth rather than to step back and say, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into this. I'm going to be gentle in my response. I'm going to be gracious with my response. And, and even when I was in the military, this was, it was a, one of those things where you try to de-escalate a situation, mm-hmm. right? You never want to see it escalate to this point where you end up having to take somebody's life or somebody loses their life because of it got out of control. Sometimes that's inevitable, but you always are trying to de-escalate a situation. So a wise man is going to do that. You're going to be, because ultimately your heart isn't to like, I just want to get into a comfort, like conflict with this person, but you want to see people come to Christ. So you're going to be gracious and kind and gentle in your responses. Whereas the wicked man isn't and their lips are going to get him in trouble. Yeah. And, and you see that in verse 14, as it kind of explains a little bit more about the righteous, the, the one who kind of, gains what he does through his work. Um, Again, Garrett has this idea of kind of raising crops. You're doing your work. You're allowing the the roots to go deep as opposed to kind of plundering and getting, um, going after maybe even more hunt, kind of a hunting um, idea there. And then in verse 14, it's the righteous that have the fruit of their lips is filled with good things. Mm-hmm. They're they're receiving the good from their planting, their just work, their tongues. It comes back and the and kind of this reward. They're rewarded for their hard work. And to think about even in their culture in in like a um agrarian culture you're you you're dependent on your harvest you're dependent on the food you can grow even for like trading to get meat or other things that you may need but just your basic survival to have food and to eat because you only can grow for so long you have harvest seasons and so when we, we think about this idea that the righteous, they do what is right. They're, they gather their means rightly. They do work. They work mm-hmm. justly. They're, they're cultivating a life of, of working. Now, there's, there's time for recreation. I think that's part of understanding work. It's not all recreation. But I think here you're looking at those who are just trying to steal what kind of steal to give themselves 
to make themselves better versus the one who works and then gathers, who does all the hard work. And that their hard work, the works of their hands, they're rewarding. You can think about when you build something, you get done, like the rewarding feeling or you finish a project, whether it's like in my case, I finish a Excel spreadsheet for my boss or something like that. And it's taking time or a report of some sort. Like there's that, that reward of work that you have. I think you, you get that where the wicked don't, they don't get to re there. They don't, there's no reward for their work. Right. They, they haven't done anything to feel rewarding. They might celebrate it if it was a real kind of big accomplishment of some sort. But in the end, they're going to, they can lose it all. They might lose it all. But I think you see here this, this rewarding idea of slow labor, of doing what is right and, and living a life that is worthy. Even the talk, your talk, righteous talk getting them out of trouble. You just kind of have this, this kind of, kind of the call again, the creation mandate to, to subdue the earth and what that, that faith, what does that look like to faithfully subdue the earth? I think you see that here. Yeah. And just uh, a little while back, Sean Gregory posted, um, you know, thanks for our service. Uh, and he was a veteran as well. So thank you, Sean, for your service. Um, Scott says here, when a man prays, uh, quoting a, a Georgia preacher, when a man prays for a corn crop, God expects him to say amen with a hope. All right. So <clears throat> that is one of the things like I don't always like to work. Right. There's days where I get up and I'm tired and I'm like, man, it would be nice to have the day off. Kind of like today. It would have been nice to be off today, but I had to go in for overtime and it would have been nice. But I do know that when you, as Mike's saying here, and the, God, the, the word of God's telling us here, when there's a project around the house that I'm not like, like I really don't want to tackle this thing because I know it's going to be a lot of work. But then when you finish it, there's this sense of accomplishment. There's a sense of you feel good about fixing something, right? God has created us as men. We want to fix things, right? And so there, there's, there's a, a feeling that you have like, man, I fixed that door or I fixed this tub i fixed something right and and there's a sense of accomplishment to that and you like you said you can't get that when you're just pillaging and and taking from everybody else and that's how you're getting all your your wealth and that's you're just taking and you're not really working for it there's not a sense of accomplishment that's why people um one of the things we are trying to teach our children we want them to value the things that belong to them if we buy them everything that they have they don't value it. They didn't, didn't come out of their pocket. There's no value to that. But when you earn some money, like our boys, we, we got all this snow not too long ago. They went through the neighborhood and shoveled a couple of driveways and made money. Then when they bought something, it was from their money. They valued it more, you know, from their own work. Yeah. And I, and to, to think, because we may consider, and I, I mentioned it, and I do want to kind of, emphasize this while we're called to work we're not called to work all the time we need mm. rest and right. recreation or recreation we need to be mm. um refreshed 
And I think we can, in American culture, I mean, it's all about productivity, doing more with less, doing more, doing Mm -hmm. more, doing more. And I mean, I've read an article about how like this kind of workaholism is rooted in Puritan thinking. I don't think that's the case. I think that's thinking about Puritans wrongly, but that there is doing our work, making sure it's done, doing it when it needs to be done, kind of as opposed to slothfulness, who doesn't want to do anything. But part of it is also we need times to be refreshed. It's one thing to, if you want to, to sit down and watch a movie just to relax or maybe reading or whatever that may be, playing a video game. In moderation, used properly, these are good things the Lord has given to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe depending on the game, but just in general. Right. I think video games come from the devil. But you can't, I mean, nowadays, I guess you can, but most people can't make money playing video games all day. Like you have to have a job. You have to, to work. There's this, so there's that balance. It's working, knowing that you need to provide for yourself or if you're a husband or, you know, you need to provide for your family or, you know, even the Proverbs 31 woman does some work, gets some money. There is work involved. A stay-at-home mom works in taking care of the children um, on top of other duties they may also have. And to that there is times and works, and we're, we're called to work. I mean, if you do not work, you should not eat. We have that kind of idea. Right. But we I think we live in a rest. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we live in a, in a, a time and and this is not only particular to this time, but we see so much enabling from the government. We see enabling from parents to their children to where you have 30, 40 year old men living with their parents and paying no rent and not like, you know, um, not able to make it on their own because they've just been enabled to do these things, to do these things, to do these things where when, again, when you don't just give everything to your children or a government, give everything to those, to those who don't want to work. It's different. If somebody has, has actual needs and has uh, is limited and unable to do those things. Assistance is, 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 is helpful. It's useful, but, when people take advantage of those things and they just get everything given to them and they're enabled to live that kind of lifestyle, there's no sense of fulfillment in it. Cause I look at some of these individuals. I just had a conversation with one just recently who's 40 some who's in his forties and lives at home and does not really work any real jobs, does things that he feels is fun to him or kind of, um, He makes a little bit of money here and there, but never enough to support. And there's really, when you look at his life as a whole and the conversations, there's no happiness. There's no peace. There's no rest. There's no comfort in his life, even though he's saying he's doing the things that he enjoys to do. But there's no satisfaction 
in the fact that he's not really providing for himself. Yeah. And again, that's kind of that slothfulness, which we'll get to you mm-hmm. even on part two. There's yeah. um, farther down. Um, let's see if I can find it. Um, verse 24. <clears throat> yeah. says, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Yeah. So that'll kind of give you, hold you over till next week. And we'll come back with part two of Proverbs chapter 12. Cause there's a lot there. And I seen as we started to just go through it, that there's, there's probably not going to fly through this one. So, which is fine. Gives us more content for next week. <laughs> no. Hey, Mike, any last words? Well, we're going through Proverbs here again. We're seeing the, the, the contrast between righteous and wicked. And there's so much wisdom in the word of God that we can, that we can take ultimately the wisdom of God to be in Christ is the most important thing for all of you, those who are listening, is to be in Christ. Uh, but there's things in the Proverbs that we can practically live out, even those that aren't in Christ. If you're taking some practical wisdom and applying these things, you're going to do better in this life. Ultimately, we care more for the life to come, but you're going to do better even if you apply those things. Any last words, Mike, before we uh, close it out? Yeah. What do you think about it? Obviously, this all stems from, mentioned earlier, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so to truly live out the words of Proverbs, one must be seeking the face of God. Mm. And to see the truth lie in here as the way God has intended his earth to run. Now, just because you work hard doesn't mean you'll be rich or have money. You may even scrape by. You're not promising. We're, none of these are promises that God is obligated to fill. But that, in general, when one works hard, he ca- his needs are supplied. When one speaks well, it shows their wisdom. It shows who they are. And... And in that way, we can see they have favor with God because they're acting the way God has called them to act Mm -hmm. because the wisdom is concerned about loving people and loving God. The first and second, which is kind of reverse in how I said it, commandments. All right. Well, that's been G220 Radio for tonight. Again, next week we'll be in part two. We'll close out uh, chapter 12 of Proverbs. Until then, God bless.